you imagine what it would have been like to have been one of Jesus' earliest followers? One by one, he invited them to follow him, and one by one, they said yes. They gave up everything to follow him, to walk with him, to live as he lived, and to love as he loved. Following Jesus would take them places that they didn't always want to go. It would take them to people, the most hopeless, the most helpless people who had nothing to give in return. That's just the way it was following Jesus. And these disciples, well, they would give everything to follow him. Sure, there were a lot of other people who believed in Jesus, who hung around for the miracles. But these men and these women, they were there through everything. Until, until the garden, until the garden of Gethsemane, until the betrayal, until Judas, one of their own, would betray Jesus with a kiss. One of the disciples, Peter, he was, he was ready for a fight. He, he drew his sword and he cut off one of the ears of the soldiers. But Jesus did what Jesus always did. He brought calm. As we read, beginning in verse 48 of Mark 14, Am I leading a rebellion, Jesus said, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. These disciples who had been with him through everything, they had been with him for three years, and in less than three minutes, they were gone. In fact, we even find Mark records that a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now, I don't know who this young man was, and I don't know why he didn't come dressed appropriately, but I do know that this scene, this young man believed that fleeing naked was better than being dead. I mean, can you imagine the adrenaline pumping? The tension is high. It's chaotic. It must have felt out of control, but not to Jesus. Jesus never felt out of control. Why? He tells us because this is to fulfill the scriptures. As far as Jesus is concerned, as bad as this is, it's going according to plan. But not according to the disciples' plan. They did not plan for this. The disciples did not plan to run. Uh, Peter did not plan to deny Jesus three times before the sun would even come up. They did not plan to watch their friend be beaten and mocked and wrongfully accused. They did not plan to watch their Messiah, their future king, hung on that cross, drawing his final breath. They did not plan for an empty tomb. I know what you're thinking. This is Easter, right? An empty tomb. Well, that's, that's got to be good news. Well, not for these guys. Not at this point. You see, nobody could explain why there was no body in that tomb. Not at first. Not even the disciples. They did not plan for this. We find these disciples in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now I want you to get the picture for just a moment. Here they are. They are confused because of what has happened. They are anxious because of what is happening. And they're afraid because of what might happen next. Here they are. They're isolated from the rest of the world, 
wondering if it's all hoping that it's all just a bad dream. And they're locked down in this house together wondering what is next. They did not plan for this. Does any of this sound familiar? Sure it does. Over the last several weeks, we've had a lot of things come our way that we did not plan for. That was not according to our plan. Just a little over a month ago, the economy was, was booming and we were making plans. But then day by day, more and more, it felt like we controlled less and less. Hospitals have become battlefields. Homes have become schools. Schools have become empty. Graduations have been postponed. Proms have been canceled. Bankruptcies, layoffs, unexpected unemployment on the rise, as well as a death toll on the rise. We've never seen anything like this. If we're honest, we can relate to a group of people hunkered down, huddled up in a home, searching for hope. And that's what we're doing right now. We are searching for hope. I read an article this past week from Forbes magazine that tells us that since this pandemic began, alcohol use, marijuana, junk food, binge watching adult films is all on the rise. I will spare you the statistics, but what that tells me is that we are a people, we're a people that haven't found what we're looking for. We're still searching. We're still searching for hope. And we won't find hope in any of those things. But where we will find hope is the same place that these disciples found hope. Well, actually, hope found them. Back to John chapter 20, 19 again, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now catch this. Jesus came. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Can you imagine? I mean, I know you're probably done with 2020. But let's not miss John 2020. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. We get the picture. These people, had they thought that they had lost everything. And then all of a sudden, with just one glimpse of Jesus, everything changed. In their darkest moment, in their darkest moment, Jesus came. In their darkest moment, Jesus showed up. He showed up and he did not bring a lecture. He did not bring a rebuke. He brought peace. He said, peace be with you. He walked into that room and he breathed life into that room as he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. In just a moment, their hope had been resurrected. The moment that they saw their resurrected Savior. You know, I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if maybe you could use some resurrected hope. You can find it. And Peter tells us why. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First thing that I want you to notice is that Peter believed that Jesus was the Son of God. You may not believe that, but one thing that you and I cannot deny, Peter believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He goes on to say, in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. 
new birth into a living hope. The idea behind new birth, it's the idea of new identity, new character that will forever transform our relationship with God. So we have this new birth into this living hope. But Peter doesn't just leave it there. He wants us to know how we can know that we have this living hope. He wants us to know why we can have this living hope. He goes on to say, we can have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter believed that his living hope lie in the, the fact that he had seen a living Savior, that he had seen a living Jesus. Peter did not believe in Jesus, ultimately willing to give his life for Jesus because of Jesus' teachings. He did not believe because he had read it in the Bible. <laughs> Peter had not written the Bible yet. He did not believe it because he was just somehow trying to, to explain the unexplainable. Peter and James and other disciples, they believed because of what they saw. Peter's telling us that he's seen this with his own eyes. This living hope is real. And he goes on to say, and into an inheritance, this living hope is an inheritance that can never perish, it can never spoil or fade. Catch this, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, God is not only giving you a living hope, He is protecting it. He's, he's guarding it. When you place your hope in God, you place it in a place that nothing on this earth can touch it. In fact, Peter goes on in verse 6 to say, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you did not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible, inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yes, a virus may be able to take my job, may be able to take my sleep, my peace. Apparently a virus can even take part of your 401k. It can even take our lives, but it cannot take our living hope. Death already tried that and failed. The Apostle Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. Those who place their hope and their trust in Jesus win in the end. Why? Why do we know this? Because the outcome has already been determined. Some of you like sports. Okay, some of you really like sports. I know this because right now you're watching games that took place 10 years ago and you already know who won. And here's the thing, you can watch that game over and over and over and the same team is going to win every time. See, you don't have to place your hope in a certain outcome. Your hope can be in an outcome that has already been determined. Jesus has already defeated his death and he wants to defeat yours too. 
if you'll only let him. There is coming a day where there will be no more tears. There will be no more fear. There will be no more anxiety. There will be no more goodbyes. There will be no more death. And there will be no more virus. Until then, you have a living hope. And not just a living hope for some far off future, but you have a living hope now, a living hope that can transform your life, that can rewrite your future beginning right now. You do not have to wait. Think of those disciples that were in that upper room. They were in that upper room and they were waiting and then Jesus shows up and he changes everything. Well, he doesn't change everything. You see, he didn't change their circumstance. They were still fearful of the Jewish leaders. They still had reason to be looking over their shoulder, wondering what was next. They were still in danger, but Jesus changed things because in the midst of all that, he brought peace. He brought joy and he brought hope. And he wants to do the same for you. Jesus wants to come into your life and he wants to calm your fears. He wants to bring calm to your chaos. He wants to bring peace to any panic that you may have. He wants to be your living hope right now. All you have to do is to trust in him and follow him. Hear him, believe him, and obey him. And then if you do that, if you place your trust in Jesus, you have placed your trust and your hope in a place that cannot be touched by anything on this earth. There is no suffering. There is no trial. Let me ask you this. If God is guarding your hope, who's going to take it from him? Is your faith hanging by a thread? And has your hope faded? Could it be? Could it be that God has placed Easter? I mean, of all things, Easter, right in the middle of this pandemic, could it be that he has done that just for this moment, just to say to you, take a look into an empty tomb. Not just a quick glance, but stay there for a moment. Soak it in. Could you use some resurrected hope by seeing your resurrected Savior? And the next time you see a cross, you remember that your God specializes in taking crucifixions and turning them into resurrections. He took the greatest tragedy of all time and he turned it into a triumph. He will do the same for you if you'll let him. Friend, you have a living hope and that, that is worth living for. This pandemic, it's a global wake-up call. We've all been reminded how brief this life is, how frail our planet is, and how uncertain our future is. It's a wake-up call. I don't know how God could do anything else to get our attention. We have been reminded that if we put our hope on anything outside of Him, or in anything outside of him, that hope, is, that hope is vulnerable and it's likely to perish. But if we put our hope in him, no matter what comes our way, nobody 
can take that away. And so really the question now is, have you placed your hope in the living hope of Jesus Christ? That's the biggest question. That's the biggest question. Have you really? Have you really? My imagination took me earlier this week into a situation in which a, a vaccine was discovered for this pandemic. And I imagine somebody going into an emergency room uh, that is full of patients, full of people who are suffering from this virus and issuing that announcement, we have found a vaccine, who wants it? And people are reluctant. And people don't jump up, people don't raise their hand. In fact, they have objections. One of them says, well, I know I look sick, but I'm, I'm not really that sick as they continue to cough. Another says, well, I think I want the vaccine, but I just don't want it right now. I'm just enjoying life too much right now. Another one says, yeah, I know it may look like I need a vaccine, but I'm in the process of fixing myself. Thank you very much. Those would be bizarre, bizarre responses to the vaccine. The truth of the matter is every single hand would go up and every person would say, how quickly can you give it to me? The gospel, the gospel says that Jesus Christ is the vaccine for the coronavirus of our lives, our sin and our death. And so the question is, have you said yes to his living hope, to his healing power? And if you're responses, any of those three alternatives that I just mentioned, you can see now those are not good responses. Oh, say yes to him. Say yes to him. But we really don't know how many more invitations we're going to get. What we do know is he gives this invitation right now. And if you'd like to say yes to him, just pray this prayer along with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. I come to you. I come to you, my Savior. I accept your forgiveness of sins. I welcome the victory of the empty tomb. And I receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life in the absolute assurance, the living hope that I will, no matter what this world brings, spend my eternal life with you. Through Christ, I pray. And people all over the world said, Amen.